This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. You're listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik. I have had two guide dogs spanning 16 years of my life. My second dog retired over 10 years ago, and I decided not to get another one. And yet, sometimes when I walk into a restaurant for the first time, I still get that little tightening in my belly that's about wondering, am I going to have a tussle with the staff where I explain what a guide dog is, that I have a right to enter with my dog, and that they'll be breaking the law by refusing me? Regardless of how these confrontations ended, they were a constant source of anxiety. It's an experience all guide dog handlers understand well. CNIB is launching its own guide dog program, and Victoria Nolan is head of stakeholder relations and community involvement for CNIB guide dogs. Recently, we sat down to talk about issues facing guide dog users today and the role that CNIB is playing in increasing advocacy and awareness. What is the um, single most common barrier that guide dog users face when it comes to access day to day? Well, it seems like, from my own experience, from the stories that I'm hearing, the the main uh, issue that guide dog handlers are having is with access. Um, I would say the number one access issue is to Uber and taxis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's happening to guide dog handlers? So uh, when the taxi or the Uber shows up and they realize that the person has a dog with them, they are canceling the ride. And uh, this is even after the person's explained, you know, this is a guide dog, I'm blind, and has explained that it's against the law to refuse them, the driver is insisting that they do not take dogs in their cab or their Uber. When this happens, what alternatives does a guide dog handler have in terms of how to, to respond? So, I mean, there's, there's obviously you can file a complaint with the, the taxi cab company or with Uber. Um, if you want to go beyond that, it's different from province to province. So here in Ontario, we are covered by the Blind Persons Rights Act, which allows you to file a complaint with the police. And then your other option is to file a complaint with the Human Rights Tribunal. Does that apply to something like being refused in a restaurant or a hotel? Exactly, well? yeah. Any access issues, you're covered by both of those pieces of legislation. Okay. And what is a typical outcome when a guide dog handler takes that, that course of action? As far as the uh, taking it through the Blind Persons Rights Act, I don't think very many people have followed that route. Uh, I did that recently with uh, an issue that I had with Uber. And the police officer I worked with said he'd never dealt with it before. No one had ever brought it to his attention. So uh, I think it's uh, a route that not many people take. Uh, It ended up going to court, and the driver was fined $250. A a possible $5,000 fine is, is the maximum that they could be charged. And did that process cost you anything? No, it doesn't cost anything for me. Why do you think people don't take that route more often? Uh, honestly, I think a lot of people don't know that's an option. I know I didn't, I didn't realize that. Uh, it was brought to my attention from a, a news story that was covered a couple of years ago by Global News that brought it to the attention of the public that it, it's actually uh, something that falls under police responsibility to look into this. And in fact, the police themselves, often a lot of officers don't realize that they have this, um, this power to do this. They, 
often think it's just a human rights issue and uh, will direct callers that in that direction rather than dealing it with themselves. And so uh, guide dog handlers are also going through the human rights uh, tribunal system. Do you know what the outcomes are in those kinds of situations? Yeah, so I've, I've never personally um, gone right through a human rights complaint. I have filed uh, complaints and settled them through mediation. Uh, usually, typically what I'm asking for is to improve training and to put signs up on the, the doors that say, um, you know, that make a point of saying service dogs are welcome, because often there's a sign that says no dogs allowed. Um, I, I don't know of too many cases that have gone all the way through, but I, there, you could ask for a monetary compensation or, um, like I said, the specifics of the training or a sign that you want. Um, and then, of course, you could also um, ask for a formal apology. But there's, there's basically three different uh, categories of outcomes that you can request if you're going to see it through. I wonder about how often the situation gets handled in the moment. So I've had guide dogs in the past. I don't currently. And um, often it, it was a bit of a tussle and eventually the business owner just said, all right, all right, just stop arguing. And, and I ended up getting access. And I wonder how often things just resolve in that way, which isn't satisfying in the long run, but maybe the, the business owner was educated. Yes, I mean there. Yeah, there are the times when uh, after you know after it's explained that it's a guide dog, and then the owner will realize, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Um, yeah, I think as long as the education's happening, then that's a positive step. The obviously the issue is the people who adamantly refuse you. I was in a restaurant once, or tried to go in with a friend with a dog, and we were refused, and it, it just wasn't worth fighting with. And as we were leaving, I sort of turned to the room at large, and I said, I just want you all to know that we're being refused service because my friend has a service animal. And I walked out not really knowing what the effect of that would be, but it really made me think that social media gives us different avenues for what, what I would loosely call public shaming. And do you ever hear about this? So just someone goes on Yelp or Urban Spoon or other types of um, community review sites and just out someone as, as discriminating? Have you heard of that happening? I haven't, but I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I think it's a great way to get the word out there. People care. I think the, the public in general really do care. And if, if they see that happen, I've had people in the public, you know, when I'm tussling with a business owner, I've actually had bystanders come up and say, hey, like, she's not trying to get something by you this, and get help from the public unsolicited. And so I think that with um, so many businesses being online and being subject to reviews, I think it's a strategy that's really worth, uh, worth you know, thinking about and using for guide dog handlers. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because I think, uh, you know, it is difficult to, you know, file a complaint or, or go to court. A lot of people probably don't have the strength to deal with that. It's so. very daunting. I did. Yeah. I went through it once and it was so daunting. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't want to do that. You don't even know where to start. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think social media is a great way to raise awareness for sure. You were speaking about Uber earlier, and I read through their terms of service, and there's an exemption that drivers can get to not carry dogs if they receive a letter from a doctor or a cleric. And I was pretty troubled by this. Um, doctor, okay, if you have an allergy, you know, that's, that's a different conversation. Um, people can have different views about um, how, how seriously that should be taken if you've committed to do a job. But do you... Have you heard of any repercussions from the exceptions for getting a letter from your cleric? 
So I know this policy is really new, so there really hasn't been much uh, happening as far as even people claiming the allergy as a reason. Uh, I met with a, a national representative for Uber, and he was saying they're not really making that uh, public knowledge that the that you have these exemptions. It's more of a case where if someone, uh, one of their drivers has a serious concern and, and it says to them, you know, like, I'm not sure what to do about this, then they might bring up the option of having this letter on file. So even in the case of allergies, I haven't heard of uh, too many people actually having this. It has to be on their file. They can't just claim these reasons, you know, at the point where it's happening. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I'm. I agree. It, it's it's difficult because you need to respect other people's human rights as well. But at the same time, we don't want a slippery slope where anyone who doesn't want a dog in their car is going to claim that, you know, they have an allergy or another reason to to not accept the dog. Can you talk to me about anything that CNIB is doing to? Uh, increase access for people with guide dogs or to encourage guide dog handlers and their advocacy efforts? So that's actually part of my role. Uh, I just started in January with the CNIB Guide Dogs program and uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to sort of uh, help guide dog users across the country at least uh, know their rights, um, to be aware. You know, we were saying it's kind of daunting to go through that process, so at least if the process is made known to people um, I think it could be a little less daunting. Um, so I'm, I'm planning to meet with guide dog handlers across the country where I can, um, conference calls and, and just share this information and uh, set up networks for people to communicate with each other about what's worked for them. And uh, we're pretty spread out across the country and I, I don't really know of any, um, any real groups that bring us all together on a, a single cause like advocacy. Um, I mean, I know there's issues, of course, that we face um, that we kind of debate about, but uh, I think this is something that everyone is concerned about and everyone can rally behind, and uh, I think it would be great if we could all work together on this. Have you thought of specific strategies to build a network? Right now, where I'm starting at is trying to hit the all the major cities uh, across the country. So we're setting up specific days for guide dog handler meetups, and there will be conference call um, numbers where you can call in. I think one of the challenges is because I'm doing this through CNIB, and of course not all guide dog handlers are connected with CNIB, so mm -hmm. we're just trying to get the word out through as many different groups, um, guide dog groups and blind and low vision groups as possible. So if someone wanted more information about what might be going on in their area or just about advocacy for uh, as a guide dog handler, where might they look? Well, definitely you can reach out to me. Uh, my email address is victoria.nolan at cnib.ca. I guess the other, the tricky thing is uh, just in knowing the difference like province to province. Uh, I've found that there's a lot of differences in the legislation and also in the types of issues that people are facing. So I think, uh, although you might be familiar with what's going on in your area, it might be really helpful to find out what's going on in other provinces. So um, I think it is really useful to try and get into these meetings, whether it be by phone or in person. Being from Toronto, I'm used to things like um, new Canadians who don't know what guide dogs are and having to educate. And, but in outside of an urban centre, are there specific issues that, that are particular to those areas? Some sort of training or education that goes on that then sparks some misunderstanding. So for example, we were getting calls from uh, Edmonton where 
people, restaurant owners were demanding that guide dog handlers, that their dogs should be wearing vests, that the harness wasn't enough, that they should have a vest on as well. So there's obviously some Ooh. kind of training Ooh. that's, yeah, that's huh. misinformed them. Um, right. Yeah, and then of course uh, there's concerns with the fake service animals, and um, that was I was getting some calls about that from Prince Edward Island because uh, restaurant owners didn't know how to approach someone when they thought the dog was a fake service animal. They didn't want to infringe on someone's rights, and then you know from their side, just knowing what is appropriate and what's not. You raise a great point. If I'm a business owner and I'm not certain, what's the right thing to do? If there's a service, what looks like a service dog, but I'm not sure, how do I approach the person and what am I entitled to request? If the service animal is behaving appropriately, you know, if you're in a restaurant and the, the dog is quiet and it's under the table and it's not barking, and there's no reason to question their presence. If, for, if they are misbehaving, um, if they're lunging at people, if they're barking, you know, something that's not appropriate for um, indoor behavior of a service animal, then you have the right to ask the person, is this a service animal? And um, what task does it perform for you? And is there any documentation that you are entitled to request? So that is inconsistent as well. So there are identification cards, there are doctor's letters, but not everyone who has a service animal has that identification. If someone wanted to find out legislation specific to their province, do you know where they could start to look for that? Yes, so again, on, uh, we're working on our website, but there is a page on uh, under CNIB Guide Dogs, Know Your Rights. Uh, there's a page that summarizes the legislation in every province. Uh, the only problem right now, it's a link to the entire piece of legislation, which can be onerous to go through. So. When we get the new site set up, it's going to be, uh, you'll have access to the full document, but there'll also be a summary that just says specifically the part that relates to access issues. And that's specific, province that's Province specific. Okay, yeah. Yeah. great. And can you give me the website again? Is uh, so the website is www.cnib.ca slash guide dog, and the specific page with the legislation is called Know Your Rights. You've been listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik. This was a CNIB Foundation podcast.